helps you find it, but Ephesians chapter 6, um, verses 10 through 20. We've been reading the last couple weeks. We're going to stay parked here for a little while, um, but I'm so glad that you're all here uh, tonight. Would you just pray with me just as we open up uh, the word uh, tonight? Father, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful that you never leave us, <laughs> that you never forsake us, that you never relax your hold on us, that you are always with us like a mighty warrior, fighting every battle we have. You invite us, Lord, to stand still and just watch the deliverance of the Lord. Father, I have so many things on my heart, so many things in my mind, and so many burdens that I'm carrying tonight, and I just cast them on you right now. I thank you that you promised to be our burden bearer. You promised to be our burden bearer, Lord. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light, Father. I pray for those who are here with heavy burdens tonight. Father, that you who promised to be the burden bearer would lift those burdens off of them even right now, Lord, with the sound of my words, that those burdens would be lifted off of people in the strong name of Jesus, and that peace would just descend on them like a flood, Father God, that you would overwhelm them with such peace, ridiculous uh, peace that passes all understanding, Lord, radical peace, joy that's unspeakable, Lord, I pray would flood their soul. Father, I fix my eyes on you tonight. I thank you that you are more than enough. I pray, Lord God, that you'd overwhelm me with your presence, that you'd overwhelm your people with your presence, that you would fall like fire and descend like rain on this place, that you would go in and out of these rows, Lord God, and you would minister. You know, you are familiar with every person. <laughs> Don't you think? anybody is in this room that God is not familiar with you. Can I tell you, Lord, you are familiar with every person in this room. You know what they do in the darkness. <laughs> you know what they do when no one's looking. You know the pains they carry, the heartache, the fear, the worry, the anxieties that, that are insurmountable for some of them tonight. And Father, I, I pray that you would minister to them in such a way tonight that would be so personalized, so individual, that they would be able to leave tonight and say, surely the Lord, not Rhea Briscoe, the Lord was in this place. Father, would you use my mouth and speak forth your word tonight? Would you bring clarity? Would you bring understanding? Would you bring insight and wisdom? I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon this place, upon each person here, that you would wing your word home in their hearts and in their minds, that you would open up their minds to receive your truth tonight. Lord, no matter how I preach it, that you would bring it with such clarity, Lord, that there'd be such an anointing that would be attached to it, that it would be so clear to the people that they would be able to make immediate application of your word and, and apply it to their life and that it truly would transform us tonight. Lord, I have so many notes, 58 pages of notes, and I thank you that you are going to be able to make sense of those notes and that I'm going to say only what you tell me to say, and I pray that I would say it as boldly as I ought in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. Connor read a portion of this. We're going to read it again. I hope we read it so many times that you almost have it memorized by the time we're done with this series. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Can I tell you, you don't have the strength that it need that you need to get through whatever battle you're currently in. You have to be strong and find your strength in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of that, because you're wrestling against forces outside of your ability to see them, Lord, because of that, you're going to take up the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. We're just going to stop there because that's what we're going to look at tonight. Having girded your waist with truth. Look at verse 14a. Stand firm then. It, it, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This is the third time in this short passage that Paul has told his readers to stand. So it must be important. That word, that command, must be important. When he says to stand firm, it means to stand firm in the word of God. Stephen Cole says the word to stand literally means to stand against. It's a military term for holding to on to a position that's under attack. In this context, we're standing firm against the enemy's attack and his schemes. It implies the courage to hold your ground because of your allegiance to King Jesus, even when others may be fleeing from the battle because the enemy seems so strong. We're going to see that the text we read this morning, the, tonight, talks about the belt of truth. But some, some translations say, having girded yourself with truth. I like that better. Having girded yourself with truth. To gird ourselves in truth means to make God's standard, his word, the compass for our life. To make, we make the choice to gird ourselves with truth when every decision we make is not based on how I feel or how it makes me feel or what other, th other people think is right or what the culture is telling me is right. To gird myself with truth means that I make God's word the standard for my life no matter what. So if I feel like I want to gossip, I measure it against the standard, not of Susie down the street who's gossiping all the time and bringing destruction into everybody's life, but I measure it against the word of God, my final authority. If he says, don't be a backbiter, don't be a gossip, I'm not going to do it because that is the standard of, of, of my life. And I'm going to gird myself, I'm going to wrap myself in the truth of his word. If his word says, do not, I don't know, give me something, uh, forgive because I have forgiven, that means I might be tempted to hold on to unforgiveness against Masha, but when I feel that rising up within me, I'm going to measure it not against the standard of what the world says is right or what I'm feeling in the moment. I'm going to measure that against the word of God that says you forgive because you have been forgiven. And unless you forgive your brother who sins against you, I can't forgive, your father in heaven can't forgive you. That's the standard of God's word. 
The standard of God's word says I might feel like I want to flirt with somebody and get some attention for myself and make myself feel real good for the moment, but the standard of God's word says something different. The standard of God's word calls me to be faithful, true, and just. Do you understand that? We have got to start, church, not running with every emotion that we feel, with everything that we want to do, or what the world says feels good and is right, what culture says is acceptable. We have to start being men and women of the word who says that will be my final authority. No matter what I feel, no matter what the world says, I will choose God's way for my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stand firm then. We need to, to endeavor to live obedient, scripture-dominated lives. The greatest weapon that we have against the devil and his schemes is living an obedient life. Precept Austin says, the greatest weapon we have in our warfare, get this, this is so good, the greatest weapon we have in our warfare is not what we say to the devil, but how we live the Christ life. Obey, surrender, submit, for this is your greatest weapon. Not binding. See, we like this. We charismatics like to bind the devil. Your greatest weapon is not binding, it's bowing. Saying yes to Jesus and committing to his word. At the moment he, at the moment he says he, he's, you do that, he says you become a fortress against the devil. Our greatest weapon is our obedience. So Paul says here, if first right out the gate, I'm going to tell you the number one piece of armor here is the belt of truth. Gird yourself in the word of God. Paul says, when he says to, to stand firm, it's in the aorist imperative. It means do this and do it now. It conveys a sense of urgency. This is urgent that we Christians stand firm in God's word. It's in the active voice. It means that, that we have a choice in the matter. You can call yourself a Christian and not stand firm. You can call yourself a Christian and be wishy-washy when it comes to truth. You can call yourself a Christian and do whatever feels right to you. Or you can make a choice to gird yourself in the truth of the word of God and do what he tells you to do regardless of how you feel. Goodness, if I did what I feel like all the time, uh, I would be a mess. Because my feelings, they are strong. I'm a passionate woman, and I feel things passionately. I feel anger passionately. I feel love passionately. I'm a passionate woman. And so when I want to disobey, those feelings rise up strong within me. I get passionate about it. But we have to choose to gird ourselves. We have to make the choice to do it. The NIV says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The first piece of armor that, that we are commanded to put on is the belt of truth. If we're going to take a stand against the enemy, Paul is saying, he's making it very clear that truth is where it starts. What is truth? Some people think truth is whatever they want it to be. But Paul is talking here, as I said, about biblical truth. The biblical truth revealed in the scriptures. And there's one place you can go for truth, and it's not to Susie down the street. It is right here in the word of God, in the Bible. That's the one place where you and I can find the absolute standard for truth. 
In our culture today, people argue about what is true because they're using their own standard when God himself is the standard. God's word is truth. Every other, uh, every other standard is false. And we have to learn to adjust ourselves and our lives to God's standard of truth instead of lowering. See, this is what we do. We want to lower God's standard to what we think is truth. Someone said, God's word is the gold standard measuring rod of reality for what's true. Truth is not determined by your vote, my vote, the majority vote, or public opinion. It's not the opinions of your friends, or a talk show host, or a celebrity, or whoever else it is you're listening to. God alone is the majority, and he defines truth. His truth is irreversible and completely unshakable. You may hate the truth, you may make fun of the truth, you may choose not to believe the truth or choose to ignore it, but in the end, God's truth is still the only truth. So Paul begins uh, his list of the armor with the belt of truth. Every piece of the believer's armor is critical for the Christian life. But it's interesting to me that Paul lists the belt first. That, that's because without it, nothing else works. It's the belt of truth. If you saw a Roman soldier in the first century, I think it would be highly unlikely that the first thing you noticed about him would be his belt. I think the way they were dressed, he, he had that big old flume on his, on his helmet. I think you would notice his armor, that big shield that he has. You might notice, notice a, the, 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 the dagger that hung on his, on his belt. You, you would notice a lot of things, but I think it's highly unlikely that you would notice his belt first. <laughs> can, I, can I just tell you that Dave wears a belt? Do you have one on tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it's really unlikely that he doesn't ever have a belt. He wears a belt all the time. And, and I'm sure that you have never noticed Dave's belt. I rarely notice his belt. He's had it forever. Um, but I might notice his shirt. I might notice what type of jeans he's wearing. I, I might notice his, if he's wearing tennis shoes or dress shoes. But rarely do I ever notice his belt. But his belt is a bone of contention in our life because... It seems a bit insignificant to me as a woman. I never wear a belt. But he has it on all the time, and we travel a lot, and, and we go through TSA. And Dave's pulling his belt off, and he's putting it in the little basket, and he's taking the stuff out of his pockets. And, and I'm always like, why do you wear that belt? Why don't you put on stretchy pants? I mean, I'm just like, do you have to have that belt on all the time? Now we're going to be delayed, so it goes through the little machine. We're at the end. I have all my stuff because I'm, you know, got all together here. I didn't wear a belt. And Dave is at the end putting his shoes on, putting his belt on, and I'm waiting, and we're late. And I'm like, and this is every time we travel. So, again, we go, not long ago we go, and I'm like, oh, you worry about again, and we're going to be late. And so he's taking off his belt, and it's going through the machine, and we get to the end, and he knows it's my, it pushes my buttons. And so he gathers his belt up, and he sticks it in his bag, and he's going to put it on at the gate so we're not late. And so we're going down, and we're trucking because we're late for the, we're late to get to our, our flight, and, and I'm, Dave is behind me, and he's just, he's really coming slow and and I see he's holding his pants up <laughs> and I should have let him put it on at the gate <laughs> that belt just seems so insignificant until I realized it had a purpose and held his pants up and 
I just thought it was a fashion thing. I don't know if you're with me. But, but my point is, his belt might sing, seem insignificant until he isn't wearing it. Are you with me? That belt seemed insignificant and stupid to me until he wasn't wearing it. And then I saw why he needed it so desperately. Can I tell you the truth? The belt of truth, the word of God, might seem insignificant to you as a Christian. It's, it's no big deal if I obey the word of God. It's no big deal if I do what everybody is doing, everybody down the street is doing. It's no big deal. It's insignificant, Rhea. It's insignificant until everything starts to fall apart like Dave did going down to the gate that day. His shirt was untucked, his pants were falling down, and everything was falling apart without that belt. Can I tell you, everything in your life will fall apart without the belt of truth. If you don't measure your life by the standard of God's word, everything will fall apart. Your walk will be impeded like Dave's was because you'll be tripping over the stuff that's falling apart because of it. The belt of truth, the belt of truth, the, 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 the um, soldier's belt, it served a lot of purpose. It seemed insignificant, but it had a lot of purpose. Every piece of the armor was attached to it. The, the, the breastplate of righteousness was attached to that belt. The, dead, the sword of the spirit was attached to that belt. Everything had a, there, the belt had so many purposes. It had a place that, that would hold the dagger. It had a place that would carry oil and, and bread and wine. It had a place that, that would hold a quiver, and, and there was so much purpose to this belt. It was so significant that Paul listed it as the first thing, the first piece of armor we can't be without. In, in some of the translations, the belt of truth is also called the loin belt of truth. But the, the loin belt, the, the loin belt of truth I like that better. The loin means the hip. Uh, the actual Bible, the biblical definition says the two loins. The, the two loins are where the Hebrews thought was the, the generative power resided. The semen, if you will. If that's too much for you, I'm sorry, but look up the biblical definition. That's what it means. It's the loin belt. Are you with me? Anybody need me to tell you about where the semen resides? Are you with me? So it was this belt that hung down and it protected the reproductive organs of the soldier. Now that's a good word whether you're there with me or not. It protected the reproductive organs. We are meant to reproduce ourselves in other people. And if we are not walking in truth, if we're buying every heresy, if we're, if we're going with every wind of teaching, if we're agreeing with the world and the culture around us, we will not reproduce ourselves in other people. You won't be a good reproducer. Can I tell you that the enemy is after your seed? He's after the word of God in you. That, that's what the, the reproductive organs held, the seed. Are you with me? And it is not a coincidence that the belt of truth guarded, protected the seed. Because the enemy is after your seed. He wants you to spill your seed elsewhere so that it can't reproduce, that it can't bring a harvest in your life. You see, when the seed of God's word, when the truth gets deposited into your life, you have fertile soil. That's why we have to be careful what we're filling ourselves up with. Because the seed, the enemy has a seed too that he wants to deposit into your life to reproduce hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, jealousy. Those are his seeds. 
But the seed of God's word, when it's deposited in your, your life, hits fertile ground and it reproduces. The enemy is after your seed. He's after the belt of truth. He doesn't want you to be girded in truth. He doesn't want you to know the truth. He doesn't care. It's not a big threat. Can I tell you that you can go to church every Sunday. You can sit under the message every Sunday and still not be girded with truth. You can come to Bible study every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You could be at every, every, uh, every prayer meeting and still not be girded with truth. Because to be girded with truth means to make the choice. You make the true choice that the word of God is going to govern your life. That the word of God is going to have the final say in your life. It's going to be the final authority in your life. Not what you feel like. Not what brings you pleasure. Not what's politically correct. Not what makes you popular. The word of God will have the final say in your life. The loin is also the area from your, your hips down to your thighs. It's the strongest area of your life, and it's good for lifting. It is, it, it's for heavy lifting. My daughter, Kendall, you've heard me say a million times, it is, she's really into CrossFit. And I, I don't know about this CrossFit stuff. It feels like a little cult to me. She, she never misses. She loves it very, very much. And, uh, and she loves to lift heavy weights. Don, do we have a picture of that picture I wanted to put up? This is Kendall. And, and last year for Christmas, she asked me for that belt that she has on there. It's a weightlifting belt. And, and she wanted it because she wanted to start doing some heavy lifting. And she knows that she needed support for heavy lifting. That without that belt, she could easily blow a, a, a vertebrae out or pull a muscle in her back. And, and that belt gave her extra support for the heavy lifting. I called her last night and said, how much is that? How much weight is that? And she said it was 175 pounds. She doesn't weigh 175 pounds. She's a little tiny thing. And, but, but if Kendall would just carelessly lean over and lift that heavy weight... <laughs> she would get injured. She needs a belt to keep that all tucked in and to give her the extra support. And can I tell you, some of you are here tonight and you have some heavy burdens that you're lifting. You have some heavy burdens that you are carrying. And can I promise you that the belt of truth, that God's word will sustain you. It will give you the strength you need to do the heavy lifting. You won't be injured by the plot and the scheme and the assignment of the enemy if you lift that heavy weight with the word of God. So the belt of truth. The, the belt was really important to the soldiers. The, the, the Roman belt was highly valued. It was worn at all times, even off duty, which I found very uh, interesting. That the Roman soldiers valued their belts so much that they would wear them even when they were off duty. It was somewhat of a status symbol of their position and a sign of their authority as a Roman soldier. It identified him as a member of the Roman military and distinguished him from all the other civilians. Paul equates the Roman soldier's belt with truth in our Christian lives. And truth should be highly valued in our life. It should be worn at all times. Uh, we are never in a place where we can afford not to be girded with truth. We can't loosen our belt. We can't afford to let our belt slag down. 
It should be worn at all times. Uh, we're, we're never in a place where we don't need truth. And just as the belt sets soldiers apart and identifies them as members of the Roman military, our belt of truth, the truth that we walk in, identifies us as the real deal, as Christians in, in a lost and dying world. We look different. We're easily identified because of the truth that we walk in. It sets us apart, believers from non-believers, and it, it clearly reveals that we are different and we're set apart. And it also establishes our authority. This is really what bothers me, church. I'm just going to tell you. I hear people say all the time, oh, I want to lay hands on the sick and I want to watch them recover. I want to I, I have a prophetic word. I, I want to I give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. The people who are chasing after signs and wonders. But the Bible says, I'm just telling you, that authority comes with the belt, with the belt of truth. When we are walking in truth, when truth becomes our standard, when we become committed, laid down lovers of God and his word, then we begin to walk in authority. We're identified uh, by that, that, that authority as, as believers committed to the word of God. So you say, Rhea, why is truth so important? We have studied the last couple weeks about how the enemy is a liar. In fact, the, the Bible says that he's the father of lies, that lies is his native language. This is why you and I have to be careful. Because people who think I can lie and it's no big deal, that I can entertain not being truthful and it's not a big deal. The Bible says that when you lie, you're like the, your father, the devil. Because lying is his native language, that you speak his language. We need to keep lying far from our lips. Do, do you see that? And we need to walk in truth. So why is truth so important? Because the enemy is a liar. And the opposite of lying is truth. Are you with me? And so how can we identify a lie if we don't know the truth? And so that's why we need to be girded with truth so that we're able to identify the enemy's lies. He is a, a deceiver. We talked about that several weeks ago. Deception is his calling card. You can, you can always identify the enemy because of his, his deception. Any place there's deception, it's him. Uh, Priscilla Schreier says this, the tragedy of deception is that there seems to be embedded in deception a blinding agent so that the person being deceived doesn't know it. What makes deception so scary is that when you are the person being deceived, you're blind to it and, and can be making decisions that put you in great danger and everyone around you knows it, but you can't see it. Leslie will tell you we see this all the time in counseling. Where somebody will come to me and they'll say, Rhea, I'm not in love with my husband anymore and I, I think I'm going to leave him because, you know, I'm not sure we were ever really in love. And, you know, he just doesn't, he doesn't do it for me anymore. He doesn't give me any attention, Rhea. And, and he doesn't speak good words to me. And I have a right, Rhea. I need to be happy. Don't I have a right to be happy, Rhea? And this person that I met, I left that out, Rhea. This person that I met over here, he makes me feel good. <laughs> he notices me, Rhea. <laughs> and I want to scream, you are being deceived. Deceived. 
Deception is the enemy's number one calling card. He he's, he's, has a scheme in your life. It's designed for you. You need attention. You need affection. Go to the Father, but don't go to a man outside your marriage because you're being deceived if you think that's acceptable. And yet we find every excuse how not to do it. Here's another one. This is my deception. You have a right to be angry about that. You have a right to be offended. You have a right to be bitter about that, Rhea. Bitterness is always justifiable to the person who's bitter. Can I just tell you that? We can always justify it. But you know, when you're hurt, you can easily say, I have a right. I have a right to be hurt about this. I have a right to be angry about this. I have a right not to, not to forgive. And yet the standard, girded myself with truth, the standard of God's word says you forgive because you've been forgiven. You show mercy because you have been shown mercy. Uh, that those who, who, who judge without mercy will be judged without mercy. Rhea, forgive, forgive. You see, bitterness, the enemy comes and says, oh, come on, bitterness isn't hurting anybody. You have a right to bitterness. <laughs> you have a right to bitterness. Turn over to 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. This is profound. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Whoever loves God, whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Bill Johnson says this, when we claim spiritual realities, it has to be measurable in the natural. When we claim spiritual realities, it has to be measurable in the natural. Okay, so let me explain that. When I claim that I love God, that's a spiritual reality. I, I'm claiming that I love God, a God I cannot see. Are you with me? I'm claiming a spiritual reality. But it has to be measurable in the natural. So if I claim that I love God and yet I hate my brother... How is that measurable? He says, this is how you're going to measure it. You're going to love because I love. You're going you're to obey my word. This is how I know you love me, Rhea. You obey my commands. So if you're going to claim a spiritual reality, Rhea, let it be measurable in the natural. Are you with me? And so when I say, I have a right, Lord, to be bitter. Bitter is always justifiable to those who are bitter. What I'm saying is, I claim to love you, Lord, but I won't obey what you tell me to do in the natural, so it's measurable. Is that clear? Because you're all kind of looking at me like deer in the headlights. Are you following me on that? The Bible says that we need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so here's... Here's what happens is the enemy comes and he blinds us. That's what deception is. There, there's always, what did I tell you that, that uh, Priscilla Schreier says? That, that the problem with deception is that there seems to be embedded in deception a blinding agent. I can't see when I'm being deceived. And so I have to have a standard outside myself to measure myself by so that I'm not easily deceived. The, the woman who tells me, but Rhea, my husband never loved me, and this man is giving me attention, I can tell her she's being deceived, but she has to have a, 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 a standard outside of herself because she's being blinded by the devil. She's being made to think that she has a right to that affair. 
So she needs a standard outside of herself to measure that by. Are you with me? Am I, am I being clear? Because I know what I want to say, and I'm afraid it's not coming across very clear. If I'm, if I'm bitter and I don't see it, because bitter women rarely see that they're bitter, if I don't see that I'm bitter and I, I, the enemy has blinded me to it, I'm being deceived by him, the only thing I can do is go to the standard outside of myself, the word of God, and read, do not let any bitterness grow up within you because it'll grow up and defile many. It's defiling you. It's a poison. But the enemy has blinded you to that. He's deceiving you into thinking it's acceptable. We need a belt of truth. We need a belt of truth. So often the Bible says that we lean on our own understanding. You know the scripture in Proverbs, lean not in all your ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We need to lean not on our own understanding. We need to consult this word all the time. We need to get this word inside of us so it's the final authority in our life. Let me read that verse in the Passion to you. I love it. My child, if you truly want a long and satisfying life, never forget the things I've taught you. Follow closely every truth I've given you. Then you will have a full and rewarding life. Hold on to loyal love and don't let go and be faithful to all you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. That's how you'll find favor and understanding with both God and men and you will gain a reputation for living life well. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then, and only then, will you find healing refreshment for your body and spirit. Do you love that? Lean not on your own understanding. He says, trust in the Lord completely. That means that no matter how I'm feeling right now, no matter how justified I might be in what I'm feeling, no matter how good what somebody else is doing might appear, I am going to trust in the Lord completely. I'm going to trust in his word. You all know that one of my favorite scriptures is, God's pleasant path leads to pleasant places. Can I tell you the world's pleasant path does not lead to pleasant places. They want you to think it does, but it doesn't. The only standard that we can live our life by, the only safety net is right here in this word. When we live according to his word, not according to our feelings. So Paul says, gird yourself with truth. Gird yourself with truth. I have to read this scripture. It probably doesn't even go with what I'm saying, but I, I have it in my notes, and I feel like I feel the, the I feel the, the the Holy Spirit just nudging me to say it. Second Peter two one through three. It says there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought the, bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories. 
Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. That scripture, I read that scripture. I've been, I've been just concerned about some teaching that I've been hearing about. I think so often we follow blindly every pastor we listen to or every podcast we listen to, and we think it's truth. And because we haven't girded ourselves with truth, because we don't know truth, we can't weigh what we're hearing and say, this is false. This is false. Look what the word of God says. They malign the word. They malign the truth. One script, one translation says, because of them, the way of the truth will be defamed. Another version says, they will cause others to dishonor the way of truth. Another one says, the way of truth will be slandered because of that. That just grieves my soul. There are many so-called Christian teachings and podcasts that are delivering a word that is not truth. And we have a responsibility to gird ourselves in truth, to store up the word of God richly within us so that we can measure what we're hearing against the word of God. I've told you over and over, don't take for granted what I'm saying. Don't believe that I am, I am preaching you truth. Take what you hear from me and go back and measure it against the word of God because that is our responsibility. Ability. One of my favorite scriptures is to study, to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. We need to study. We need to study to correctly handle the word of truth. The belt held other pieces of armor, like I told you, but, but the other function of the belt was uh, in, in Roman times, they wore, uh, instead of pants, they wore long flowing robes, and, and they were fine to just walk about, but when they got ready to go into battle, they would take that robe, and they would pull it up, and they would tuck it into their belt and make like pants uh, with, with that that robe tucked into the belt. That way, the, the, the flowing robe could not trip them up and hinder them in battle. So Peter talks about having girded up your mind with truth. Are you with me? The same type of girding up with, with the belt of truth. We gird up our mind with the truth. So many of us, our minds can just go crazy. Like, we, we can lay awake at night and our, our minds just start going. Or our emotions can just run rampant in our life. And Peter says we have to learn to gird up, to take that, that flowing emotion, to take those flowing thoughts and take them and stuck, tuck them in to the word of truth, to the belt of truth. We have to be so girded with truth that when that stuff starts going uh, uh, awry in our life, when we start with, with all kinds of, of thoughts that are not in line with the word of God and, and the enemy uses them to bring havoc and wreak havoc in our life, we need to tuck them down into the truth of the word of God and, and, and be able to, to um, do what Dave did instead of dragging them with us down to the gate. We, pull, we, we notch that belt uh, a little tighter and, and securely girded in there. So many of us, and we're going to talk about this next week, I'm going to talk about taking every thought captive next week. I'm going to really talk about our thought life next week and, and how we can take control over the things we're thinking and the whispers of the enemy and the lies of the enemy in our life. 
but let's just touch on it this week. And, and uh, would, you un would you agree that sometimes our thoughts can run rampant? Sometimes our emotions can overtake us. Sometimes we can spend a lot of, of time in turmoil just because of the thoughts coming through our life. And, and they're not measured like fr from Philippians 4 that says, is this true? Is this honorable? Is this right? We're, we're not even measuring those thoughts by that. If not, we're taking them captive, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. But in the meantime, what we do is we, we pull that, that loose flowing, those thoughts back up, and we bring them uh, into submission to the Word of God. But you can't do that if you don't know the Word of God. It's so important that we store that Word of God up within us so that we don't trip over um, those free-flowing emotions. Weiss says it's not a physical exertion that Peter has in mind here, but a mental. If the purpose of girding up the clothing was to put out of the way that which would impede the physical progress of an individual, the girding up of the loins of the mind would be putting out of the mind all that would impede the free action of the mind in connection with the outward progress of Christian experience. Things such as worry, fear, jealousy, hate, unforgiveness, impurity. These thoughts harbored in the mind prevent the Holy Spirit from using the mental, fa mental faculties of the Christian in the most effective manner, and thus causing that believer to grow in the Christian life, that, and thus uh, impeding that Christian believer to, to grow in the Christian life. Do you see it? If the enemy can whisper, if he can get those thoughts going, if you don't immediately gather them up and tuck them into truth, he will impede your progress. He doesn't, my mom used to say, he, he doesn't always make us bad. Sometimes he makes us busy. Sometimes he just torments and harasses like that. Do, do you see his schemes? Having girded your loins with truth. That's defining a state of readiness. Um, and, and, and we need to live our life in a state of readiness against the enemy. Warren Wearsby says, unless we are motivated and directed by the truth, we will be defeated by the enemy. If we permit any deception to enter into our lives, we have weakened our position and cannot fight the battle victoriously. The girdle of truth is not an offensive weapon. It is for protection. It is for protection. Dave and I were on a flight a little while ago, and the... Um, the captain came over the, the intercom and he said, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to hit some turbulence. Can you return to your seats and, fa and securely fasten your seatbelts? And then the flight attendants put away the, the beverage carts and they started coming up and down the aisle looking to make sure everybody's seatbelts were securely fastened. And sure enough, it wasn't long before the plane started dropping like this and we hit turbulence. And, you know, the, that seat belt provided protection against turbulence. We didn't move. It was fine. We were protected with that belt. And that's what the word of God, the, the belt of truth does for your life. It protects you. Can I promise you, you are going to come upon turbulent times. You're going to come upon times when your emotions are up and down like that airplane was that day. And when that happens, tighten that, that belt of truth. Remind yourself of the truth of the word of God, that it has to be your standard. It has to be the final authority in your life. Not what you feel, not what you think, not what you've been told by other people. The word of God. God. It'll save you a lot of heartache and pain if you adhere to the Word of God. I sent somebody an email this week. They were concerned about somebody else's sin. 
guys tell you it pushes my button like no other. <laughs> the Dave, gentle giant, will be tolerant of that. Me, I'm going to be like, let me tell you a thing or two. Let's look at your own life. Let's stay in your own lane. You know, I have very, very, very little tolerance for that. It's a religious spirit, by the way. When I feel a need to point out your sin and to make sure you know about your sin, let me give you a couple of scripture. You know, shame on you. But I am missing the plank in my own eye. I said to this sweet, this sweet thing this week, can I tell you, God has his hands full with me right here. I do not have time to look at somebody else's stuff. When he perfectly cleans up my life and I have no sin, I can cast that first stone. But until that point, I'm going to worry about little old me because God is working overtime on this girl right here. I got enough to keep him busy till eternity. Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? It is not our job. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to change lives. We must stop this. And I said to, to the sweet, and her, her intentions are good, but, but I, I said to her, I said, the word of God cannot be used as a weapon. It must be a healing bomb. It's a healing bomb. It's given for our protection it's not given to guilt it's not given to yes it convicts yes it absolutely convicts I'm telling you every morning I open it I'm convicted I'm like Lord why did you let me get away with that why, why didn't you point that out to me before but it's a healing bomb because when we take the word of God and we apply it to our life and we do what he tells us to do regardless of how we feel <laughs> it's healing it's healing I'm going to do this Lord not because I want to but because you say it's right, because you say it's what I need, and so I'll do it. Sometimes it's kicking and screaming for me, but it transforms my life. And Paul has said it's so important that it's the number one piece of armor. Number one listed, the belt of truth. Make sure you're walking in truth. Make sure you're not deceived, because that's the enemy. It's what he's a master at. He will trick you into doing something that God says you shouldn't do. He will deceive you into believing something you shouldn't believe. He, he, he is a master at deception. And the only way to guard against it is to make sure you are girded in truth. Girded in truth. But let's look at one more scripture and then I'm going to close. John 8. 31 through 32. For those of you that are here for the first time tonight, I'm not usually this scatterbrained, and so uh, please come back. Um, so Jesus said, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, listen to this, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then, and only then, are you truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth, will set you free, okay? <laughs> this is how I know you're my disciples, that you obey my word, that you abide in my truth. If you abide in my truth, if you know my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if there's, there's truth, the opposite of that is lies. So if the truth is going to set me free, lies are going to do what? Bind me up. That's the opposite. If the truth is going to set me free, the lies are going to bind me up. And so we're going to take me captive. 
<laughs> so why would we not want to walk in truth? Just tell me that. Why would we not want to obey God's word if we know that the lie, the deception, that the, what the culture is telling us is acceptable is a lie, that's going to bind me up. So why in the world would I not want to walk in truth and do what God tells me to do? Can we just talk about that for a second? What are the reasons that we don't want to do what God tells us to do? Can somebody just tell me, just yell it out. Give me some reason. Too hard? Because here's the reality. If he's called us to it, he will enable us and empower us to it. There was a story about a crippled man, a man who was crippled from birth, and Jesus uh, meets him. and He says, you know, do, do you want to walk? Do you want to be made well? Because I can do it. And, and he, he says, take up your mat and walk. And the man who has not been able to walk, because I, when I teach that story, I'm like, duh, Jesus, don't you think if he could walk, he would have walked by now? He's been crippled from birth. If, if he could walk, he would have. But at the word of Jesus, at the command of Jesus, he obeyed. And when he stood to walk, his ankles and legs got, got, got strengthened and he was able to pick up his mat and walk. But he had to first act in obedience. He had to follow the command to pick up the mat. And then he had the strength to walk. And yes, it's hard. But the second we say yes to doing it, we get empowered to do it. Do you see it? So he not only, he, he, not, he gives us the power to do it. He makes the command, but he gives us the power to do it. He just waits for our cooperation, doesn't he? Good one, Masha. What other reason do we give God for not obeying? Disobey. I just want what I want. I, I want to please me. I, I, I want to have fun. <laughs> you are looking at a girl who had a lot of fun in her life. But I'm going to tell you what, the wages of sin is death. Absolute spiritual destruction. Absolute despair and regret and pain. And we want what we want, and God knows best. I, I will, to this day, I'll tell you the hardest thing as a parent is having adult children. Take me back to toddlers and teenagers, but adult children is so hard. I want to just say to them, I've learned some things. I've learned some things. Let me save you some pain. But they don't listen because they want what they want. And I just want to say, girlfriend, I can save you so much pain. Listen to me. But they want what they want, even if it means more pain. Do you see? That's me and God. I want what I want, even if it means more pain. But Rhea, I'm giving you this word so that you can have life and have it more abundantly, but you're insistent on doing it your own way. What are the other reasons that we don't obey? Self-protection. Be my protector. So self-protection. Isabella is saying because of her pain, she self-protects. She doesn't do what God, because God is asking her to do something. For example, forgive. If I forgive you, you might hurt me again. And so I'm going to self-protect. I'm going to keep myself safe with my unforgiveness and not come close to you. But God's ways work. And Isabella said, instead of trusting God to protect her in the midst of it. Very good. What are the other reasons we don't obey? Embarrassment, rejection. I might not fit. People might not like me. They might think I'm weird. I, I, when you get my age, that doesn't even matter anymore. Nearly. I mean, look at me. If I cared what people thought, I'd be in trouble. But, but you, you have to constantly be praying against the fear of man. Where God is taking you right now, can I just tell you that what he has in store for you, the plans that he has for your life are too great for you to ever worry about the fear of man. Because the fear of man will hinder you. It'll be a snare to you. And God is going to deliver you from that because he is taking you places. You have a leadership gift that's so strong, and he's going to fan that into flame in your life. And, and one, of the, one of the ways you get to cooperate with him in 
in this is that you're gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna really deliver you from fear of man. You're gonna have a boldness come upon you. You're already bold, but you're gonna have a boldness come upon you and you're gonna walk in authority like you never have before. Amen. <laughs> what are the other reasons that we, um, we don't obey? Unbelief. I don't really, that's a good one. I don't really believe that this is going to work. I don't believe that your ways work. I don't even know if you're real, Lord. It seems so counter to what the world is telling me is right. And so, yeah, very good. Pride, I think, is the other one. We are deceived by the pride of our heart. I want what I want. It's all about me. It's all about my comfort. Can I tell you, a marriage, this marriage is all about dying to self. It's all about dying. It's all about saying, I'm not looking for my comfort. I'm looking to build this man up. I'm looking to encourage him. I'm looking to speak life into him. And when I start keeping score, when I start saying, he did this to me, he said this to me, I, I don't like that he did this, that pride is going to keep me from functioning in the authority that God has, has really called me to function in. And I'm going to let the enemy come in and blind me to that and deceive me into believing it actually is about a person. One more reason unworthiness. Mm, that's good. You don't feel worthy to have all that God has for you, the abundance that he has for you. Um, and, and I think almost, it, it almost goes back to, and, and I think we, we buy into the lie, everybody else is doing it, and look at them. Nobody else is, you know, being hindered. Nobody else is, it's not making a difference in anybody else's life, so I might as well do it. Um, and there are some things that God has said to me, for example, that I would say, well, so-and-so is doing that. Why can't I do that? And, and he'll say, Rhea, the place I'm taking you in your life, you have no place for that. It might not be wrong. It might be not wrong with anybody else doing that. But where I'm taking you, you can't afford to say yes to that thing. And so, yeah, and I think that when you really realize who you are and how much you're loved, that's very good, Susie, how much you're loved by God, how much you're treasured by God, you're going to want to do what he calls you to do. You're going to want it. Um, so in closing, let me just tell you this. But this is how I know you're my disciples. <laughs> Somebody look that up in the NIV because I have it memorized in that, that John 8, 31 through 32. Do you have it, Somebody? John 8, 31 through 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you, look at the conditions here. If you hold to my teachings, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's word will always set you free. It will always bring you life. Let it be your sustenance. Let it be your final authority. I'm going to close my notes because I have so many other things I want to say to you, but I wanted to show you one more thing. Don, do you have the fight picture? I don't know how true this is. I, I checked it out. I emailed it to you separately, Don. Uh, look at that. So I don't know these guys. Some of you might. This is MMA. MMA fighters, and this guy over here, his name is Bryce Mitchell, he brought the Bible into the octagon, and it was the first time the Bible was ever brought into that ring, and, and I have to find it in my notes because it's profound. Um, he, um, 
He came in yelling freedom, holding the Bible up. Now, some people say he's crazy, but he, he did this. And after he defeated his opponent, that guy that's in the picture with him, he said, I want to donate $5,000. This guy is Hawaiian, and he wanted to donate $5,000 to the Maui fires. And he did that. And then he invited this young man back into the ring to pray with him, to pray for the nations. And so these two men knelt in the ring. Now, the, the, the um, wrestling federation would not let them have the mic. They wanted to do it publicly. But he publicly renounced Satan in the ring and came against Satan in the ring. And here's what he said. He said, we have to show Satan that he can do nothing to the power of Christ when we come together for him. And, and I, so Debbie Ferguson sent this to me right before Bible study, and I thought, i got to put that up there because look at their faces. I mean, they've been fighting. They've been in battle. And yet, in the midst of that battle, they recognize that they need to bow in prayer and that they can do nothing, that, that the enemy can't touch them when they're unified and together. Can I tell you, the enemy can't touch you when you are unified in the word of God, when you're walking in agreement with him and with his word. Don't give place to the devil. Walk in obedience to that word. Let it be the final authority in your life. So I'm going to just ask Joe to come and, and close this out with a song, but let's just pray uh, while he comes up. Father, I pray, Lord God, I, I kind of feel like those robes that are just hanging down and all over the place. I feel like that's what that message was like. And so I pray you gird it up and you tuck it into truth and that that would be all that remains tonight in this message. You bring clarity. You bring understanding. Lord, that you'd help us to make application of this word. Father, when the tide of this culture comes against us, when the winds of every teaching around us begin to rise, during turbulent up and down times and our emotions are everywhere, Lord, teach us how to rein those things in with your truth. How to rest, Lord God, in the truth of your word and to let that be the governing force in our life, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.